This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, Mackenzie Johnston. Thank you for joining me here this afternoon. It is Friday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. Hope you all are doing well today. We're going to be chatting with Eric Ralph here this afternoon. He is one of Comstock's brokers. He is also our branch manager up at our home office in Royal Iowa. Lots to cover here this afternoon. We had a Catalan feed report come out. We're going to talk about China coming in with some flash sales of corn this week, reports of African swine fever over in China. Meanwhile, the hog market here in America has taken a bloodbath this week. So let's just dive right in. What were the results of the cattle on feed report released this afternoon, and how are we seeing the market react to that report? Well, market reaction, we won't really know until Monday morning, but the the numbers came out pretty well in line with a very bullish expectation. The placement number was, I guess, the one that really struck me. I didn't know if we'd be able to achieve what they were expecting. We had a 93.4 average trade estimate, so pretty low numbers. And, you know, I'm watching the feeder barns, and the sales runs were impressive. Uh, numbers stayed up pretty good. You're looking at OKC, OKC West, Joplin, some of the bigger bigger barns were still seeing large numbers running through. And so I thought, man, that's going to be tough to, to achieve. And, and sure enough, we get the numbers that come in at 93. And, and those aren't broken down to fractional figures uh, in the initial report. So we'll kind of see what the details look like as we go through that report. But, but the initial rub is 93. That meets expectation. Uh, on feed number 96, a little above what was expected. The marketing number at 95, a little below what was expected. So really, I would say met expectation. Expectations were high. So what's the end result? And could be neutral to slightly bullish to start the week next week. The hog market uh, dealt with a bloodbath this week. Tell me what happened. Well... If I had an answer, I would have told it to a million people this week. Right. Unfortunately, we don't really have a good explanation. Uh, cash continues to be a struggle uh, in the hog market. The cutout values didn't do us any favors. We saw lower cutouts throughout the week this week. Bellies were taking some hits this week, and the rest of it was probably just technical in nature. And you get some of these guys that have been trying to defend a long position and eventually that becomes undefendable and they just give up and that's a lot of what we saw now there are some things that have been floating around uh rumors of asf in china even some domestic asf rumors have caught a little traction but in talking to a couple of vets and some producers around even a couple of packer representatives it seems that all of that was nothing more than rumor but to finish three dollars lower on wednesday limit lower on thursday and then to not really get a sharp back bounce back on friday wasn't overly encouraging. However, Friday we did trade about $2.5 lower, came back to finish the day near steady. April hogs actually finished in the green a little bit. So maybe that was the washout. Uh, markets like to do that occasionally, and hogs are one of those volatile markets that will do that occasionally. So on to the grains. This week we saw China come in and buy 76 million bushels of corn through three flash sales. How did this impact the corn market this week, and is this a sign of things to come? 76 million bushels that you mentioned through those three flash sales, that was even added to today. We had another 
191,000 ton flash sale, that brings the week total to 83 million bushels. That in four flash sales is that's what we've needed. It's a little shot in the arm. We did see the corn market put on about 30 cents this week within a week's trade. And most of this was seasonally expected, but I don't think the volume was quite expected. Um, China does you typically come in as a buyer between late February and the 1st of April. We, we expected to see them come in as a buyer. There were rumors starting to circulate as far as about three weeks back. We didn't know what the numbers were going to be. This was impressive. It did stack some value onto the corn market. And this, while we're eyeing March 31st reports that are widely expected to be detrimental to the market, we're still putting on a little rally here. So can we continue to? I think we can with a little support from other areas. Outside markets have been tough on us this week. Wheat has finally rallied back some, still probably has a little further to go. And keeping an eye on geopolitical stuff all over the place, including the grain corridor, that's going to all weigh in and see if we can keep any momentum going. These sales we've probably priced in for now because this doesn't get us back on track for USDA expectations, but it is a step in the right direction. Maybe we can keep compounding on these. Do you think it's fair to say that demand for U.S. corn is improving? Oh, definitely. The attitude in the marketplace was was pretty shot leading up to the last week and a half or two weeks. That's when those in the industry started hearing a lot more about some of these sales that might be coming down the line. And and then to see those sales, meanwhile, uh, ethanol margins improve. They're making a little money. They're improving their bids a little bit. So you've got basis ramping up a little. I haven't seen any major moves, but basis ramping up a little uh, while the market's rallying is definitely a good sign. So you just mentioned the Black Sea Green deal. What's going on with that this week? Well, right now, as I understand it, and I haven't seen anything in about an hour as we're talking here, but right now the, the story I'm hearing is that they're, they're still actively in negotiations. This thing is set to renew tomorrow, the 18th, and the initial rub was it automatically renews for 120-day extension, barring any issues from either side. Well, Russia has issue, and what we're being told is that they don't like the 120-day timeline. They would rather see 60. So that's, I guess, where the negotiations are being had now is they want a 60-day extension, and in that 60 days, they want some sanction relief. And it's unlikely that the U.S. or any of the Western European countries are going to give them any substantive sanction relief in that 60-day timeline. So where we stand exactly, we don't know, but we should be hearing something in the next 24 hours, I would guess. So let's talk about soybeans. What did they do this week? Soybeans traded to a two-month low this week. New crop and old crop chart patterns don't look nearly as good as they had been. They had been holding up fairly well. And and then you get this little shift where corn starts taking the driver's seat. Soybeans suffer a little bit. But seasonally, that's not to be unexpected. We do see uh, a little decline when when Brazil's right in the midst of their, I, I say in the midst of their harvest, harvest is moving along nicely. It's a matter of getting the beans out to the rest of the world. That takes a little time. And while they're in the middle of that, we usually see prices decline, and that's where we're at right now. There is a seasonal time frame in here pretty quick where we start to see some of these uh, old crop bean contracts mount a little rally going into spring. If there's ever a chance for a, for a spring planting rally, it will start sooner than later. Uh, so we might be on the lookout for that. But this week was a little tough on the beans. 
Argentina crop estimates continue to be cut. Is this going to help our markets? What are the implications of these reports of them continuing to cut the soybean and corn crops down there? At some point, it all becomes old news, right? You, mm-hmm. you, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. Um, it's lower, it's lower, it's lower. It, it appears to be, I think I said last week, a, a race to the bottom. And the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange is no exception. They, they just keep trimming numbers. So now we're looking at a half a crop. Well, I don't know of any major grain-producing country in the world that has made half a crop in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is significant, mostly for Argentina, but it's significant to the world. And, and really, when you start dissecting the numbers a little bit, it has the potential to take overall South American production lower than where they were last year when you combine Brazil and Argentina. I mean, that's a story in itself if that ends up coming to fruition. Yeah. Still got to let it play out a little bit and, fi- and find out if that is going to be the case. But, but that becomes significant if that is where we end up. We continue to see improvement in many areas across the U.S. as the drought lessens. But also with that, we're seeing a lot of areas deal with quite a bit of snow cover. How do you see this impacting farmers trying to get out in the fields here in the coming weeks? Well, it's becoming more and more of an issue. Uh, you know, here here I'm sitting in northwest Iowa. I can see more ground today than I've been able to see in three months. And then you go very far north of us and you can't see any of the ground still. And talk to guys from Minnesota, South Dakota, even North Dakota, northern Minnesota that, you know, they're they're already talking prevent plant. Wow. They've been through this too many times. And, and even if things break and they do, you know, get the snow broke down in a hurry, then get the ground warmed up to where it's plantable. You know, there's a lot of fight still ahead here, and they're not overly optimistic. And I think this last round that they got primarily north of us here, stretching along the I-90 corridor and north, I think that really did them in mentally. So you're going to have to see some recovery pretty quick, otherwise we could be facing some, some problems there. Some will say, well, you get a two-week break in the weather, and it'll be gone, and all will be well. And these these flat areas, a lot of, it, a lot of those areas can't take the moisture when it does melt off, especially if we still got frost in the ground. And then all of that compounds and becomes more and more delayed. And and we're not very far from, from mid-April already. So earlier this week, there were a couple senators that reintroduced a bill that would allow for national year-round E15 ethanol sales. In your opinion, is this bill going to gain any traction and become reality? And if it does, what impact will that have on the corn market? Oh, it'd be huge. We've talked about this in tidbits before where some of these projections for corn use for ethanol are almost pricing this in, or I guess anticipating this coming. Uh, When you look at where the USDA has corn use for ethanol projected for, for six, seven years from now, it seems like they've got a bit of a foregone conclusion that we are headed here. Can it happen? I, I believe it can. Uh, we're, we're in a unique scenario here where big oil may not fight as hard if they can figure out how to capitalize on it a little bit through carbon credits. And that may be what it boils down to in the end is can they get their finger in the cookie jar a little bit and figure out how to gain some some revenue through carbon credits by working with rather than against some of these things. Uh, You know, back in April of last year, they started this 20-day rolling, you know, we'll allow 
15% blending to try to increase the amount of fuel on the market to curb higher gas prices, but we're going to evaluate it every 20 days and, until the situation resolves itself. I, I guess that's a little too subjective. I think that leaves too many too many uh, variables in the hands of humans, and we need something set in stone. Iowa has signed legislation uh, that they want to implement a 15% year-round ethanol blend by 2026 already, and that's just for the state, obviously. So can it happen? Yeah, I think I think it can, and, and it would be a good thing for the industry if it could. What are your thoughts on the Feds raising interest rates either a quarter or a half of a percent next week? I think we're going to see a quarter. We've talked about this at length amongst ourselves uh, within the company and with clients and everything else, and uh, I think a quarter is what we're going to see. I think the last figures that I saw, the, the market was dialing in something like an 82% chance that that was going to be the outcome. Uh, Jerome Powell will speak on Wednesday next week, the 22nd, somewhere around 1 in the afternoon. We should start hearing what's going to happen exactly. So the market will definitely be on pins and needles awaiting that announcement. So this banking crisis that has come upon us in recent weeks is just kind of like the icing on top of our current economic crisis here in our nation. As things continue to get a little bit rockier, how do you see this situation impacting the commodity markets? Is this going to be beneficial in some odd way, or is this just going to drag the commodity markets down with it? Actually, I think it could be beneficial, and that sounds a a little bit counterintuitive, but I, I do think it could be, and, and it takes a little bit of explanation as to why, but ultimately, there are a lot of commodities that are safe havens. Commodities are, are essentially representing products, and you know, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm looking at a gold market that's up $56 per ounce. I'm looking at silver up $0.90, cents, and those are not the highs of the day. And precious metals weigh in 20% of the overall commodity index. So it it does have impacting effects to the overall commodity markets when you see something that's weighted that heavily gain that kind of ground. Managed money funds looks at commodity indexes as a whole. They don't really look at a specific thing. And so if you do get those indexes moving higher, they're going to go, well, maybe we ought to shift some of our investment over there, in which case commodities become the winner. So in that regard, I think it could be beneficial. Is there anything else notable that happened with the markets this week that you'd like to touch on? Uh, one thing that we're kind of we're kind of watching, I guess, with prior conversations, have led down these rabbit holes of thoughts and where could we go and what could happen. And, and last year we had uh, a situation in the corn market that David has written about in a couple of reports, and we've talked with clients over and over about short crop long tail in the corn market. Last year's production comes up short. You see a spike at harvest. That puts in the marketing year high, and then you tail off, which is the long tail part, into whatever your low becomes and whenever that low comes. So in this case, it's not unprecedented to see short crop spike higher at harvest and then long tail to a spring low. This March 31st planting intentions along with grain stocks could give the impetus for that spring low that could be followed directly by some kind of planting rally because of the snowpack we've talked about, because of shifting from a La Nina into either neutral or El Nino. Right now we're neutral. We're out of the La Nina cycle. If we do go into an El Nino, we start getting significant moisture in a lot of these areas. We start to improve conditions. 
that's great, except if it's all happening right when we need to be out in the field working, not so great. And so there, there's a bit of a setup here in the corn market that is, it's tough to decipher. Uh, and we've, we've been seeing the market react to a little bit of that this week. And so we've got a really interesting 30, 45 days ahead of us here. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.